Welcome to Keeping Up With Data. Keeping Up With Data is the podcast that keeps data enthusiasts up to speed with what is happening in the data world. We bring in the leading minds from the data industry to talk all things career, news, embarrassing stories, failures and successes. So something really important for us here at Precision Sourcing is mental health. It's something we've been focused on a lot over the last year or so. And we're lucky enough to have partnered with the Black Dog Institute. And we're going to be doing a lot of events with them this year. A lot of our events, money will be going towards them. And they're out there aiming to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. So if you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link in the bio on this podcast. And you'll be seeing a lot more information about Black Dog over the next year. Welcome once again to Keeping Up With Data with myself, Joel Robinstein. Me, Emily Noda. <laughs> and today we're virtual because we've gone across the pond and we've got our friend Gurbani Singh on the podcast all the way from New Zealand. Gurbani, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you? Thank you so much, Joel and Emily, for having me. I am so excited uh, <laughs> to be talking here with you guys. It's what we like to hear. So obviously, as we always do, um, please do introduce yourself to the people listening, Gabani. It's always the best way is to get you to tell them a bit about yourself. Um, I'm Gabani. Um, I am from Auckland, all the way across the ditch. Um, I lead a team of uh, analysts. So I lead the analytics team at Tower Insurance, which is a property and casualty insurance company. We are in New Zealand and seven Pacific countries. Perfect. So I'm really excited today to get into some of the New Zealand chat, and I'm sure you are as well, Emily, as we all know, <laughs> coming from over there. Um, and, and maybe just as well, touch on some of the differences between um, the Australian market, the New Zealand market, but you obviously mentioned as well that Tower is in multiple countries, so, so we can get into that. We'll get into all the usual stuff around your career, why you're in data. Um, we'll try and open up the doors to some interesting topics, especially around imposter syndrome. I think we're going to try and touch on that today. So it should be a really, really cool episode, and I'm very excited to get us kicked off. So let's start from the position that we normally do. Um, what was that moment when you realized, right, career in data, here we go, this is this is for me. So it, it's, it's a very, very long story, and there were a lot of signs which I didn't take. So I did my graduation, my bachelor's was in engineering, computer science. So it's a place where you learn about data and databases. I was really good at it. Um, that was probably one of the indicators that this is something I should pursue. You know, it's easy, you know, when you get recognition and appreciation, you start liking it and, you know, ultimately start loving it with time. But there were no jobs when I graduated. Um, the jobs were Java developers and C-sharp developers, and that was not something I was good at or I wanted to pursue also. So um, I ended up going and doing my MBA after that. So I got into marketing and branding, but I always enjoyed the data side of it. So I ventured back into data. So I knew I liked it, but never took the hints. Uh, so yeah, that's me. Really interesting that you said yeah. that although you knew what you wanted because the opportunities weren't there, you had to take a sidestep. And so what made you go towards the kind of marketing and branding world? So my MBA was a dual specialization with finance and marketing. Um, the reason why I ventured there was it was value creation, which excited me. Um, I could see the value being created. I liked touching uh, with the customers, you know, and it was instant. If you're in branding, you decide what the customer experience is going to look like, you know. Um, very early on in my career, um, I was with a very large, um, I'm from India, I'm an immigrant here, so I was with a very large bank, which was uh, venturing into retail at that point of time. So it was a very large industrial bank. They did like millions of dollars of loans. That was their arena. They didn't know how to deal with customers who were doing, you know, thousands um, so it was it was a good experience for me at that point of time with marketing and branding. It it showed me how you could bring back value, and it was it was all around data. It was all around specs. It was, it it helped me understand. You know, it was value creation, whether it was through the business side or whether it was technology, whether it was digital. Mm. But it was the value creation which excited me. That makes sense. I know one of the things that you've always said over the years, Emily, is that marketing and branding is actually a really good route into the data world yeah I feel like it's one of those ones where it gives you 
um, a pretty quick start into managing relationships. People mm. is like the softer skill build up that a lot mm. of people maybe miss going straight into a technical role. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that is true. I mean, after so many years, um, now I have customer analytics under me where we're mm. using marketing automation tools for designing campaigns and sending them over. Um, just understanding if a campaign is working, measuring impact, and all of that makes sense. And it, customer analytics is one area where the scope of error is is not there. Like you cannot make an error because one customer wrong uh, message that goes out could have mm -hmm. impact on that customer, which is which is not good, which is not a yeah. fantastic experience. Yeah, we've had uh, we've entered into the world of automation over the last two or three years uh, we've definitely made some mistakes mm. along the way um, we've been very lucky in some senses that the people that we've made those mistakes to have been very understanding that we're trying new things but at other times obviously we have mm. we have put our foot in it a little bit and like you said you know it doesn't take much um, negative to turn a customer away from you but it takes so much to make them a positive advocate of your business though yeah, that is true. Yeah, the cost of customer acquisition is, is so much higher. And, you know, if you end up messing it up, then it's not it's not a good experience. You know, a bad experience, a customer will always go talk. They will go tell their mm. friends, their family. And that's that's the conversation around dinner table or around the barbecue. We don't want that happening. We want them talking about the, the new advertisement and having the fantastic experience with whatever industry you're in. You want them talking about the fantastic experiences, not how you shouldn't have received that email, but you received it. But yeah, it's unfortunate yeah, yeah. and it's human psychology also. Negative mm -hmm. does stick around. Gotcha. Um, yeah, the true. worst one we ever had, we got very lucky on. Um, we were doing a test automation and it was meant to go to one of our colleagues internally, but unfortunately went to someone externally. And there was like a three out of 10 non PG word in there. You know, it wasn't anything too bad. But it definitely wasn't something that you'd want a customer seeing. But um, luckily, they uh, they just, just chose to ignore it and move on with their lives. So that was good. Um, anyway, so back to you, um, back to marketing and, and, and how it can be of use. Do you feel that because you spent a little bit of time outside of those data teams, maybe from the other side of things, working directly with the customers that's helped you understand how you and your team interact with data at a, a more customer level? Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, it it helps me um, naturally build the relationships, just like Emily pointed out, you know, um, and relationship building is important because that's when you understand the actual value that the data can create. Uh, without the context, data is meaningless. Mm. Um, and there is, if there is data, you need that, what is the business problem you're going to solve for? Um, Unfortunately, data is so powerful that you can prove any hypothesis you want. You take a sliver of it, you can prove anything you want from there, which is which is really bad for the business because you don't want that sliver of um, unwanted value being created and unwanted insights being used in places where it shouldn't be. So you need to understand the whole bigger picture. You need to understand, don't start with the data, start with the business problem. Start with what are they trying to solve for? What is the opportunity or what is the problem they have? Like what is causing them grief? And if you can, sometimes it's easy, it's low hanging fruit. Uh, if you just find out gaps in the process, that's just the starting point. They have to do the hard work. The change management is massive. Um, the change management piece is massive. And that's something you have to work with the business for. Otherwise, otherwise it's meaningless. You know, you could churn out reporting after reporting. You can do as much of advanced analytics as you want, build out those predictive models. But if the business is not acting on it, if they don't trust it, if it is not solving their problem, then yeah, then it's just a nice model. That's all it is. And do you know what? You've hit the nail on the head there about um, pieces of data being used in the wrong way and, and sticking in minds. I know, you know, Emily, we work with someone in our business as soon as there's a stat, that it just sticks in our boss's mind from years ago. And no matter where the conversation goes moving forward, that stat sticks in, no matter whether it's future proven wrong, their brain just goes back to that initial, well, I, I heard this once, right? True, yeah, true, okay. true. Yeah. yeah, right. So we're talking about the where data can go wrong. Um, and I think a really good topic that we have spoken about on the podcast a lot is, is where in your career has not knowing what the data says 
or knowing what the data says, should I say, not being enough. So as in like, you've got everything you need there. You, you so obvious that you've proven your point, but you still can't, for whatever reason, you know, get it through the people that you're talking to. Like, have you got any stories around that? It's it's a story of every data leader's life. You know, it's when you start off, you um, data is it's a fairly I'm going to say it's it's quite young um, and in the way it is now suddenly become such a big professional part of every company, but it's still a very young place. When you come in, um, you have to build that trust. And that trust is built over time. It takes lots and lots of small instances where you are helping them out, helping them get over those little roadblocks, helping them ease out the little grief points, helping them optimize their process. And it takes one one instance of you know data being wrong, them going, oh, we don't trust this. We don't trust this report. And it's it's very unfortunate because it's it's the easy excuse and it's the easy way out. We don't trust this data because there is this gap in it or this data point was wrong a couple of months ago. But ever since we've actually proven that, you know, it's it's not, you know, it was a user error, but the people in the room have left and mm -hmm. you can't chase behind people and you can't tell them. So it's 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 a battle you can't win, but it's uh, but it's slowly incrementally step by step you go, you build that trust around it where they go, even if it is not looking like the number I was expecting. They reach out and they go, yeah. the numbers are not looking right in the report. Is there an issue? Um, it always helps if you're proactive and you send out the comms before they realize going, we know there's an issue, we're sorting it out, we're on top of it. Then they have that, at least that reliable factor going, yeah. they know what they're doing. So it's, um, I think it's it's in every company. It takes a while for you to build the trust on the data. It helps if you've got facts which prove your data are right. You know, simple things, reconciliations and audit reports telling you if it's coming from one source. If you know, say fifteen hundred was the number that came in. If it went out, it changed to forty ninety eight. There's a reason why it changed to forty ninety eight, or we know this wasn't within the acceptable. Um, you know, a buffer of error that is there, but it takes a long amount of time to build that trust. And and it's not just one person. Um, I've built trust before, but then I become the bottleneck. I don't want that happening. So it needs to be the trust for my practice, the trust for my team, the trust for for the whole entire organization using the data. Yeah, that makes sense. I know, mm -hmm. Emily, you speak to a lot more people these days who are leaving roles, but one of the things that used to come up for me now and again was and it's what Gurbani is talking about here is that people can spend maybe 12 or 18 months in a business trying to change minds trying to convince people about the data but there are just some people and some businesses that are stuck in their ways is that still a gripe that people have when they're coming to you saying hey I'm looking for a new job because you know what I just you know for whatever reason can't get this knowledge through the business I I would say that is very common, um, but you you kind of have to like read between the lines because people will tell you it from their perspective and, you know, oh, these people are being really difficult, like blame, 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 but actually it might be just them that's doing the same thing that they think that they should be doing because they've always thought it's worked, but it's somehow, somehow not working this time. And it's like, maybe you should think about that and change your approach, you know? But you kind of have to be careful with those conversations because obviously I'm not in that business. I have no idea what's going on. And also you kind of need to be there to support as well with the job search. So yeah, it is a common theme. It's just marginal. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, you know, it's, um, we are very young, you know, and that's why the change management piece, getting the, the sponsorship from senior leadership as senior as you can get within the organization is really important because then people think twice before for pointing blame and saying the data yeah, is yeah. wrong. Uh, so change management, which is um, it's it's still not mainstream yet. People don't look at change management as a part of when you build out anything with data. But yeah, that makes sense. And you know what? Yeah. Takes it leads quite well into into leadership as well. I mean, we speak about this a bit, Emily, um, especially now you're leading people. But if the person that you're delivering the message to hasn't got the message, you look at yourself first as to how you've delivered that message, because at the end of the day, you're the one communicating. It's not necessarily their fault that they haven't got it. You've, you've got to look at the way you've done it first, which is like you've said there, Gabani, this change management piece. You can't just walk into a room and go, look, here's the data. Now change. 
you know, life doesn't work like that, okay. right? They've been so, running the business for so long. They know yeah. the business, you know. You don't want to be the external consultant who comes in and just says, you've been doing things wrong. No, we're here to help. We're here to enable. We are help to just let you do your job much more mm. easily, much more faster, and maybe take away a little bit of the, the pain points around there. Exactly. That's yeah. all we're here for. And are you finding that... Um, you know, obviously with COVID, things changed a lot in the world. And what we found, interestingly, as recruiters, it was actually a, a positive market for us in a sense because companies needed more data than ever. Um, so it made them wanted more data people. But obviously with greater, um, uh, greater amounts of data people in people's business, the greater the investment, the bigger the spotlight. Are we starting to see almost more pressure now on these data teams because you know it's 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 the news for the last two years everything's data 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 so you can't really hide as such anymore if that makes sense <laughs> that is true that is true uh it is you know what covid did was um it pushed pushed everybody um and forced them to do something which they were not ready to do and which they were planning to do maybe five or seven years later. One of them was uh, working from home. Mm -hmm. Then there was, you know, building out your digital apps and, and putting more, more love and attention towards your digital channel, right? Um, that was something people, we knew we had to do. And uh, working from home was, was a concept which the big corporates did have, but it was still, you know, if I work two Fridays from home in a row, they went, ah, you're not working, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm working, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. Um, so it had to become normal and we had to, we were forced to do it. There was no option. Yeah. Simple, right? Um, so if you're working from home, then uh, if digital is going to become in the center, then data is required. Yeah. Uh, and and data is is so much more than reporting. So right now I lead analytics at a tower. So I do people do extracts, people build Power BI reports. They do advanced analytics. Uh, they also do product analytics and customer analytics. But this is not even the tiniest piece of what data should be doing. Data should be in every part of the business. It should be enabling your customer experiences. It should be the one which is which is in the front making the decisions for you. And, and reporting is just like one tiny little piece of it, right? But reporting was what data was. Yeah. That was pre-COVID, that was what it was, right? But now it's become mainstream. Now it's part of exec conversations. It's part of board conversations. That's good. And are people expecting quicker wins? Yes. Because of that as well, yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, they want everything to be delivered yesterday you know it's like okay i'm ready for investment um where's your plan uh when is it getting executed it takes a while you know yes it's very hard to get people as well but it's it takes a while to build out that blueprint the design uh understanding it, whether it's building out your data warehouse or you, your reporting or everything it takes time of course but um they want everything really quickly and it's it's not the same as um as you know it's it's not you know stitching up clothes you know where you say you add 100 more people and you'll get you know 100 t-shirts you know it's it doesn't work like that um so yes they want quicker wins they not quicker win they want quicker results which is yeah. which is hard um and it's it's managing those expectations as a data leader you have to be able to do that. Otherwise, your team is under pressure yeah, and you yeah, don't want to pass that pressure down, which would lead to a lot more attrition than what we're seeing right now. People are already moving because it's just a better market and very yeah. hot market to move. And I, I understand that, you know, if you're getting, you know, 40,000 more than your current role. I, I don't know how to say don't go, you know, uh, I don't know how to say that, um, but yeah. Um, we we don't want people leaving for for reasons such as burnout, or we don't want them leaving because they feel there's too much pressure. That's mm. that's not good publicity for you as an organization. That's not. not. I agree. You think we might be going um, backwards in a sense as well, Emily. I've been just a few briefs that I've been sat in on the last few weeks because budgets are tightening. But as Gabani's rightly said, people are wanting more. Yeah. Do you think we're going to slip back into the I need a two in one 
hire as well. Again, you know, like someone who can build as well as produce insights, which is obviously we know isn't ideal. Yes, I've seen that already. I have, I don't know if you've seen the same, Gurbani, but I've seen that with briefs. If there's like hints of that coming, and it's a really dangerous place to be in because we're already in such a talent short market, and mm. getting people that are what unicorns yeah. is just like uh, I don't know. It's just a, a really bad way to build a business because you're going into like reaction mode, not like we're building and growing, and like people will leave. You know, yeah, they won't be able to be there right? long term. Mm. Yeah, yes, they're doing yes. two people's jobs. They're going to burn out, aren't they? Um, yeah. it's not necessarily two people's job, but it's two kinds of jobs. Yeah, okay. you know, it, it, it yeah. could be, you know, you're not, you don't need a full data engineer. You need half a data engineer, or you need 0.4 of a data engineer. Um, but if you're do, getting somebody to do um a two kinds of job, then it shouldn't be 0.5, 0.5. It should be 0.3 and 0.4, so that there is that. That little bit of time for context switching or tool switching and and all of that. But also the other reason with this market being really hot in the digital and data space, we're seeing a lot of wrong kind of attention to the talent here. People are coming here just for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what, that's, that's what... not that's not a bad thing. You know, you need money for sure, right? But you need to like what you do. You don't have to love it every day. Like this is something which I say very often. I say to my team. Be in it if you like at least eighty percent of the times. Yeah, that's the way to. You don't have to love it, but if you hate it and you're just doing it for the money, if you want to do the bare minimum, then uh, then yeah, good luck. It's going to be really hard for you. <laughs> it's it's going to be hard for you. You're going to be unhappy, and then you're going to make everybody else unhappy as as well around you. Um, but yeah, we will need hybrid people. Um. The reason is we're just growing in spaces, you know. I start. I started at Tower a little less than two years ago. When I started, there were six people. Wow. Uh, we are we are we are close to thirty headcount or, or twenty wow. plus headcount, you know, at this point of time. Um, it's and everybody's got work to do. Everybody had work to do at that point of time. Also, it's just we are we are expanding in areas. And and same thing for every other company, every peer or colleague I speak to or seniors in the industry, you know, everybody is is expanding into areas they want to automate, they want more insights, they want to be able to track what the customer is doing, what the business is doing, they're optimizing, you know, process mining, those were not terms I knew about. Mm. They were theoretical terms, you know, they didn't mean much in the business world, but yeah, it's changing. I really like what you said before as well about not expecting to always love your job because you always hear on the social sites you know do your passion do the job that you love turn up to work every day like it's not actually your job but i think it's ridiculous to try and say anyone's going to be happy 100 percent of the time even in your home life if you're in the happiest relationship with the happiest family you're going to have up and down days so it's acknowledging that there are going to be a few days where you might not be the happiest of the world, but so many people, because we want instant gratification these days, as soon as they have a bad day or a bad week, they go, right, that's it. Yeah. For me. I'm out. I'm going to search mm. for something new. When in reality, working on what you've got often pays dividends. And I think we're seeing that a lot as well, Emily, right? Where people, um, I hate to say throw their toys out the pram because it's not really like that, but they maybe have a bad week at work, go out on the market, do a few interviews. And then when they finally get to pull that trigger, of leaving their manager goes oh no 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 please stay and you know here's 10k more and a new job title and that's really all they wanted was an arm around the shoulder saying no no we want you and but they've then gotten done all that work of going out to market and then realizing actually i want to stay and we're, we're really pushing people these days to go look if you are unhappy or thinking of leaving have you actually spoken to your leader yet mm. you don't have to say look i'm going to leave but you go and say hey I just would love to know what the next six months looks like for me in this business. I'm feeling like I'm stagnating a little bit. Mm. And then if you get a bad reaction from that conversation, brilliant reason to leave because you're not working for a good leader. But, you know, I I don't know if you have that relationship with a lot of people within your team, but, you know, I'd always hope that, that I feel like we've got this with Emily and I, like if, if I was ever going to leave or if Emily was ever going to leave, mm-hmm. we'd probably tell each other first and, you know, work it out and then and then see where we go from there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. True. Yeah. You right. need to work for the right reasons, you know. You do. Um, and you need to be appropriately compensated, and remuneration yeah. is important. I will never say it's not important, but um, but yeah, there needs to be more reasons than mm. just remuneration because you'll get almost the same amount in in doing something that you 
not love 100% of the time, but I love my job 80% of the time. 20% mm -hmm. of the time I'm hyperventilating because I don't know what to do <laughs> uh, or it's just, you know, but it all it takes is sometimes just switching off the laptop. Uh, sometimes yeah. it just takes powering through it going. Exactly. I've got this one bite at a time and then, yeah. But you yeah. need to like what you do. You need to. We're yeah. always going to have some sort of anxiety or something about our job in some way. We're always going to have to deliver a message that we don't want to have to. We're always going to have to deal with yeah. a situation that isn't ideal. That's just that's just work, isn't it? You just. Mm. I, I think, especially for me now, I've been in the same business 12 years. It's made it easier because I can look back on, okay, if I've got hard conversations with someone this week, okay, there's 17 other hard conversations I've had over the last 12 years. And I, yeah, I'm still fine and everything's okay here. It becomes easier, but... I think for a lot of people coming into the workforce, especially um, if it's their first three, four years of their career, um, it is hard. And I can see how all those conversations affect people and um, mm. especially those who started work during COVID and didn't have the time to build relationships with their co-workers. And, and um, anyway, interesting world that we're, we're living in at the minute. Um, just, I think, a good segue before we get into our favourite moment where we get you to roll out your terrible data jokes um, <laughs> is the talent struggle so let's maybe talk about New Zealand where you are um, I don't know whether you dip into the Australian market as well for um, remote workers but um, yeah look we'd love to hear what it's like firstly maybe in the microcosm that is New Zealand from, from both of you of course but maybe start with you Gavani. Struggle is real. The talent struggle <laughs> struggle is real. real. It's real. Um, yeah. We still have people applying so I have grown my team so I did start during COVID period at Tower, so I started in December 2020. We were not in lockdown at that time. We'd started coming back to work and all of that. Um, but um, I have grown the team considerably and with different skill sets. Um, even pre-COVID, uh, New Zealand is a small market. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, a lot of people come in uh, through the migration channel um, and it's a small place, you know, we've got very few people and then and data is a new industry. You don't have veterans who've been around for a very long time. So you need young people, you need students who are coming out graduation, uh, mm -hmm. doing the graduation. So that was not happening. So our talent influx um, sort of dried out after, I'd say, March or April in 2021, because the last batch of students had finished up, you know, that was there. Um, but we still have people applying to roles. Okay. I still have a role open um, in the digital analyst space. I still have people applying, right? Um, but the problem is it's the quality and right. why somebody wants to do the role. Like you said, you know, um, it could be just purely for money reasons. Okay, I get it, but you know, if you're if you're jumping around too much, if you're bouncing between jobs every six months mm -hmm. for not a good reason, um, yeah. So it's the quality of the talent which has gone down. We still mm -hmm. have people, and then and a lot of people want to come into this space because they think this is this is going to give them job security over a long period of time. Um, there are a lot of people who come in and they want to do the bare minimum. Uh, mm. Versus data is a space where you need to be really passionate. Yeah. I'm not asking you to do long days. Never. Mm. I would do that. You know, I, I tell my team, I do not expect you to do long days ever. There might be a day here and there where you're doing a long day or you're working a little bit extra, but you're grown up uh, and I expect you to take time off the next day or the, or the day after, you know, once mm. it's it's calmed down. Um, what I'm asking for is, is that extra bit of passion where you want to do it because um because it's it's it gives you instant gratification because it you see the value that it's yeah, creating yeah. for the business you see that aha moment when when somebody from the business goes oh my god i knew this was happening but this just proves it's happening you know it helps them go tweak out that process you know it helps them build quality service for your for your customers you know and and with with the social media um and, and all of that happening it's not customer experience Insurance is such a boring and a very old industry, but mm. our customers want the same experience like Amazon yeah. or Facebook or Instagram. So that's our competition when it comes to customer experience. That's not the competitive. It. It's not, you know. Uh, 
Yeah, um, I, I was actually talking to somebody and, and that person said uh, Facebook's got, I think, 38,000 data points about it, each individual, and she was okay with it. And I went, would you have been okay about this? I, I don't know if the stats are real or, or you know, they made up, but I know Facebook has a lot of data points. And, and the, the point behind it was she was okay with Facebook having those number of data points. Um, it's okay. just the change in the in the mindset for the customer. Yeah, They're okay with is. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I even everyone goes on goes on that's terrible we lumping everyone together but people do talk a lot about oh they're holding this date they're holding that day i'm like they've already bloody got it right everyone's already got it they know exactly who you are where you are and what you're doing yeah so either yeah. you're on board with it or the whole system has to change yes yes mm. so that's the kind of world we are in so we are we are you know we're part of that data world where yeah. there is constantly changes happening and you have to adapt to it and you need to you know really want to do this and and data people are slightly wired differently i'm wired like that as well you know um, i try not to get into much into technical but i don't know how i'm going to solve the problem when i start out but it just like different branches just magically appear in the head. Exactly. It's just it's a wiring problem. OK, so it's like it's wired <laughs> differently. So you need to want to do that, you know, and if you're passionate about about anything, you will be very good about it. Yeah. You can you can build a skill set. You don't have to be born with it. You can build a skill set, but you need to put in the hard work. I agree. I feel like so, I just piggybacking off that. I feel like one of the key things that I've seen is that people like we've kind of touched on it but people are starting to um get a bit like antsy because they've a taken the job maybe for just money and they're like well this is too hard because from x y z reason and then they're leaving within like two and a half months and not giving it a full go and giving it enough time and i feel like those are the kind of things that people need to go through to be sort of built back up and bounce back and build your resilience and you, you gain experience through those types of things as well. It's really, really valuable and a lot of people are missing yeah. that piece. And that's, mm -hmm. I think, what's challenging the quality of talent as well, right? Because there's less people that yeah. are staying for longer. So anyway. Yeah, you're not learning and you're just, yeah, you're right. The resilience is 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 massive. It's a... Uh, it's a skill set you build over time. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't have to be thick skinned, but yeah, resilient enough. You know, change is real. It's happening. It's all around you. Mm. Just, just go with the flow. Go. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not me. You know, it's yeah. it's just happening around me, and I'm just part of it. It's okay. I'll deal with it. Yeah. Hundred percent. All right. Time for data jokes. This is my favorite bit because I'm the one who doesn't embarrass himself. However, I do embarrass myself by laughing at all the terrible data jokes that we've got. So, as always, Gabani, as the guest, would you like to go first or second? I'll go first because okay. uh, yeah, Rip yeah, it'll be easier for you to trump my my data joke. Yeah, they are they are <laughs> terrible ones, but I I did smile, so I was okay, like, good. you know, this is this is a good data joke. Um, so three, I've got two of them. So um. Three database, um, so SQL walked into a NoSQL bar and they walked out after, you know, just spending five or six minutes in it. You know why? Because they didn't find any tables in there. Oh, so so the joke one. is that SQL is built on tables and NoSQL is no tables. So that's the, that's, <laughs> I smiled, I went, that's pretty okay. good. That's, <laughs> yeah. You know what as well, that is a legitimate data joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other one is a little bit around, um, it's, it's around technical people. So anybody, you know, uh, who's a technical person would go, yeah, that makes sense, you know, like, um, so there's versions of it. So um, there was somebody who said, you know, um, please go to the supermarket and can you get milk? And if there is eggs, get six. This person came back with six bottles of milk because there were eggs in the supermarket. <laughs> what? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is probably, you know, why we need more BAs around in the business so that the requirements and the spec is written properly or the data engineers or, or the developers will end up building, you know, something which is like that. Amazing. I love it. Oh my god. I'm very impressed. So I'm gonna take the first one as the best of the two. My favorite anyway, personally. Same. Yeah. I like cool. that. Mine's right. tragic, and we've probably had it before, but I don't actually remember. So you've got quite a lot of episodes now, Em. So, <laughs> but go on, what have you got for us? Oh, no I'm idea. sure. I'm sure. Yeah, we we okay. have 
our, our daily lives are generally filled with so many instances where we go, oh my God, you know. Uh, I have something which which actually happened to me. So this was one of uh, very young uh, data engineers when when he he or she had started uh, in their career. They dev, uh, deployed something to production and it had to run once a month. They deployed it for 31st of the month. Oh no! It didn't run for six months because <laughs> that looks so brutal. every alternate month has got a thirtieth. Oh, oh no, dude. that's so bad. <laughs> it's it's really bad, but then we ended up laughing over it because we were like, "Oh my god, this you is you can't do anything else." You know, you have to laugh. But this is real. This is something this is that's happened. Stuff. Well, let's yeah. see if you can get us a laugh as well, Emily. Here we go. Oh god, on, okay. All right. I collected a lot of data trying to disprove confirmation bias. The results mm. were exactly as I expected. <laughs> oh, it's so bad, I know. Good. <laughs> this is the example. You know, you can use data to prove anything you want. Yeah. Exactly. You just exactly. need to be, you know, a smart person. Yeah. yeah. And we've the got more morality data, compass. More data be. proving that data isn't that funny often. So, yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's get into the big topic of, of today's chat. And um, it's an interesting one and it, it could open up a few different avenues and, and it covers imposter syndrome. I think it's something that we're a lot more aware of now as a society. A lot more people are aware of it in their, their day to day and and see it popping up. Um, and I'd love to hear from you, Gabani, um, as you've especially progressed through your career, maybe how this has affected you both in a positive and perhaps even also in a negative fashion um first you need to identify you're going through this you know um so imposter syndrome is real um i didn't know the word existed till i came across it i went oh this is real and this is this is happening with a lot more people than me you know and it's it's usually a result of not having confidence over yourself. You know, you're feeling like you're not, you're a fraud, basically. Mm. That's that's what it is. You know, you feel like you are not 100% qualified to do the task that you have been assigned, but you forget that the person who assigned you the task thought you were qualified and you made your way up till here and you're doing a fine job. So this is real and it affects a lot of people. And we spend a lot more time rechecking our work and and making sure we've got it to the entire you know we've dotted our eyes so it is it is real and it affects all of us and and i i've started to realize that sometimes you know it's it's different aspects of it even if when i know it's it's real and it's affecting me it's still different times when it affects me I still feel the same. And then I found out the ways how I sorted out for myself. I found my remedies. So I, I reach out to my trusted network of peers, colleagues, mm -hmm. seniors, you know, and tell them, you know, call a spade a spade saying, this is what I'm feeling, you know. Um, and, and they say, they will give me the way out, which is, um, you know, which could be, uh, if you're feeling, say, you're not up to the job or your presentations aren't good enough you know they'll tell you you can do this and it it just helps you feel that you're you're crossing out your t's much more better than what you were doing before yeah. Yeah. and and it's and it's and when you talk to your seniors you know people so i'm a relatively new um young data leader um yeah. not in terms of age but you know just generally in terms of years <laughs> of experience uh but uh, when i talk to people who've been in the data leadership space for a long period of time you know chief data officers and chief analytics officers these are roles now which didn't exist previously you know there was a forbes article where they said the chief data officer might be the next ceo you know which was like wow you know that's quite mainstream now right so when i talk to these people um they explain and say these problems affect them also so when i face a problem it's not a problem because i am not doing my job really well uh, it's not a problem because it's me in the position doing the job it's a problem across the industry I, I think it's a bigger problem than we perhaps know and it definitely shows up in different ways depending mm. on the person as well yeah. obviously yeah. um we or well, myself I, I see it's a phrase that we've been using more recently as you know emily which is um as a leader when things are going well in your team it's your team that's doing well right yes and especially try and yes. 
put the praise on them. But when things are going badly, it's the oh, leader yes. is the is the problem why it's going badly, right? And yes. especially in the position I'm in now, because I I don't place people in in roles day to day, so I can't affect that kind of like okay, we're putting money into the business on a day-to-day -day basis when things aren't going well it's, it's sometimes you almost as a leader feel a little bit powerless you you can't actually affect things on a day-to-day -day, day basis and then you go well god like what am i doing in this position maybe there's someone else who could be better at this than me so um i know you've just started getting into leadership as well emily and probably starting to see some of that you you can only affect so much as a leader mm. it does it does yeah you know, affect you you need to like also be quite aware of um, which we're, I think I'm learning always and everyone probably is across the board, but like what you need from people when you're in those moments. So for me, I would be mm. like, I need to bounce things off. For example, Joel be like, are you sure I can do this? Or do you think that like similar to what you've said about your, right. your network and then yes. you're kicking into gear because it's words of affirmation that you need at True. the end of the day or whatever, you know? So knowing right. that is like key, I feel for, for me anyway. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you articulated it so much better than me. But yes, you're right. You know, <laughs> no you know what to do. Um, it's just you're just doubting yourself. Um, yeah. And it's somewhere along the line, um, the environment has been like that as well. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast. So this is not my story. Um, I was listening to a podcast where there was another leader talking about a board member so there was this female very experienced board member and um, this person told her that I've never had to explain architecture to a woman wow, wow. Um, you know it's it's instances like that you know I, I would go I don't know how to respond to that yeah. you know but yeah she was she was a seasoned leader so she went don't worry it's <laughs> it's just the same way yeah wow. But I'm sure it affected her or or she's become or affected her less over a period of time. But instances like this, um, but what what it for me, it I'm I generally try to look at things in a much more positive way rather than go negative. You know, life's full of drama anyways. Right. So, you know, might as well go find the positive aspect in everything. Right. So I went and looked at it. I said, if somebody says that to me, a, I know how to respond to that. B, it's not something got to do with me. They're not putting me down as an individual. They're trying to put down a larger group, which, you know, now it suddenly doesn't become my problem. It becomes their problem mm. now, you know? So it's it's mm. just making me feel much more comfortable. Uh, so, yes. But do you know, but do you know what? Growing just, a, having a thick skin and developing mm. a thick skin doesn't mean it doesn't yeah. hurt still. It's mm. how you deal with the pain You're and right. move forward from it from there rather than necessarily dwelling on it. Um, I think a lot of people say, oh, just forget about it and, and move I on. Can't. And, but you, you, I think by acknowledging it and accepting it, sometimes it helps you deal with it. That's how you build a thick, thick skin as well, right? Like you're not shutting yourself off emotionally by saying you have a thick skin. You're like learning by acknowledging yeah. it and doing something about it and moving on yeah, yeah it's, a, it's about how fast you can bounce back mm. it's yeah. just that you know if if the first time um yeah um sometimes i don't know how to respond yeah exactly well sometimes not responding because it's the just response. so it's obnoxious what they're yeah. saying yeah. i just don't <laughs> know how to respond and it doesn't have to be uh, it, it doesn't have to be somebody who's not the same gender as me or the same, you know, ethnicity as me, you know, could be the same thing, you know, yeah, but yeah. it's just, they are who they are and I am who I am. And uh, with time, I have learned to bounce back quicker and faster and with the same amount of bounce in it. And mm -hmm. I will get better with time because I've acknowledged it, that this is not my problem. This is their problem. Exactly. And I think as well, if something affects you, whether it be imposter syndrome or a, a flippant comment, whatever it may be, mm. at the end of the day, the, one of the phrases I, I think of is you don't always have your barriers up the same level each day. And if yeah. something affects you more one time than maybe it did on another day, that's also OK, because who knows what else is going on in your world? Mm. And, you know, the smallest thing can really get you one day and the biggest thing cannot get you the next. So it's again having that acknowledgement that things do go up and down and that's okay and and you know 
it's okay to feel a bit different on certain days as well. Um, mm. what, what advice would you give, you know, maybe, yeah, even if we focus in, you know, young women coming into the data industry, we obviously have a lot more focus nowadays on, mm. um, you know, welcoming women into the tech space, but it's still quite mm. a daunting prospect, I'm sure. What, what advice would you give, obviously looking back on when you maybe first started as well in your experience? I don't know. Um, I think um, I think I had to go through the experiences and the exposure to become the person I have become today. Sure. Um, and I have learned so much from each of my leaders. I have learned, uh, I, and if you ask me who's my best boss or my best manager, it'd be so hard to pick because I've sort of become like a, like a, like a really, I don't know, good or a bad mix of all their qualities put together yeah. because um, I've, I've gone and said, I, I really like the way you are so direct and in the straightforward and you're not, you're not mincing words, you're not wasting time. Uh, with with some leaders and I have brought on that quality in myself versus some leaders have gone you're so good at building that empathetic factor you're so good at building this relationship where you're getting the business to trust you and then I've looked at some people go you're so resilient you know so many th big things are happening around you and you're just not you're not letting that emotion on your face so I mm -hmm. I don't think I want to change anything or or tell I uh, only thing I'd tell my younger self is just like you know good things will happen bad will happen but you'll come out much more better evolved person and and for young women today um I think the biggest advice to them is um talk don't keep things inside you um talk um and i encourage that within my team um i've got a lot of people who are you know in different age categories or who are different ethnicities uh who have different values uh who are you know different genders i, I would just say whether it's women or, or men or whoever if they are feeling uncomfortable or if they are you know in any form of self-doubt talk Mm. Um, and it does not mean just come and talk to me, talk to to any one person. And if that person, maybe that person's not having a good day, you know, don't stop just because that door is shut. Maybe yeah. they're going through something. And I usually give a lot of lot of leverage to the other person um, if they shut me down one instance or two instances. And, and if they shut me down over a period of time, I'm just going, they are just person you know it's, it's yeah, got nothing yeah. to do with me but yeah reach out to different people um and they will be just learn from their experiences just tell them what they what they're going through and why are they feeling the self-doubt and that's it because once you start talking about it you will realize it's got nothing to do with you it's mm -hmm. normal and and it's like you mentioned you know different instances different examples come up you know one day it could be I don't know how to write possibly you know I can't remember back then but yeah maybe I had doubt when I was writing my first SQL code you know yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't write SQL code every day but I don't doubt I think I can write the meanest SQL code today even though I don't do it every day, <laughs> I have confidence in my ability. I can get the job done. Uh, you will write it in a different way, but that does not mean mine is wrong. I like what you said about your um, your leaders and how you couldn't pick because you picked up on so many things and different things from them. And I feel like that's a good piece of advice for like those young women, men, whoever, that yeah. are coming into the workforce to ask questions and don't be shy to see if someone's got a strength that you want, then be like, oh my God, you're amazing. How did you do that? And like literally soak it all up, be a sponge, because that's that would be really helpful, I think, for people who are a little bit more, be hard, because a lot of people generalising here and data are quite introverted, yeah, but it would be 100%. a good one. Well, even yeah. in our team as well, Emily, the amount of times mm. I hear someone sit there and go, can I just ask you a stupid question? I'm like, just, just ask. You know, yeah. it's that's a segue, you know, yeah. and it's such I'm, a cliche segue. I know, you know? but I'm not, I, I, I do that, that sometimes yeah. too because I'm going. That sounds like a very obvious thing, but I'm sure I'm not understanding it. So I'm I'm the stupid person in the room today because I'm not understanding why are you doing this the certain way or, or why are you even you know doing it in the first place, and and sometimes asking that simple and basic question. Um, mm. Is, is you ask the question what everybody else is thinking i know but yeah. i just don't see it as a stupid question because it's like no, it's I, you, you know i needed that knowledge right then yeah. so it wasn't stupid so you know um anyway well look, yeah, yeah. i think that's some really really good advice um that you've given there um 
So we have to unfortunately move to the last stage of our, our chat today, which has been very, very enjoyable. Um, and more advice that you can perhaps impart on people is, is we always try and ask about books that you might have read um, that you think would be really useful for other people. So, yeah, any book recommendations that you have? The, uh, we're in the age of instant gratification, right? Yeah. So um, I used to I used to be a really big book reader when I was younger, but then life took over, and now I fall back to articles from McKinsey and Gartner and everything. Sure. Uh, but there's this book recently I read. Um, it's a book of really small articles put together. It's called Numbers Don't Lie <laughs> by yes. uh, Vaclav Asmil. Um, it's it's one of the books. Um, how did I? get my hands on it was it was in um, Bill Gates books to read uh, list something right. but it's a really good book it's got um, let's say four or five pages that's one article you know it's just oh. lots of it's lots of information and it's very relevant because it's not a book that was written in 1990 it's a book that's been written in the last one year uh, so it's got instances and inferences from from covid and all of that but yeah if you're if you're looking to be relevant then um i think articles which come out and listening to podcasts you know um i learn so much because it it's it's a really good medium. So many people come and tell about their experiences, what worked for them, what didn't work for them. You know, two podcasts, I'll probably come out with one inside going, that really made sense to mm -hmm. me, either because I related to it or it was there. But yeah, I usually go to books when it's more philosophical and, and something when I want to just completely unwind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oprah's yeah. book is really good. Um, Things I Know For Sure. I think that's mm -hmm. what it's called. Yeah, that one's really good. You know, it's, it talks about how life experiences she's she's a very resilient person again um yeah nice no, that's good advice and and you're right that there's so many different avenues now to get yeah. your knowledge to podcasts or you know tv or documentaries or films or, or books and i've actually just gone the opposite way from you i've started getting heavily back into reading books which has been quite nice for me um yeah. but yeah you're that, right about that good. instant gratification yeah. you know people want it now Yes, yes, I want it now. And then, um, I mean, fortunately, I, I love what I do. So I want to keep on top of it. And I want to understand what's happening and how are companies doing with dealing with the issues. I want to understand, oh, so this issue is going to come up, you know, I'm on this part. So this is going to come up. So I'm prepared for it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a great recommendation. So we'll get that up on our list, um, which we're going to be sharing very soon because we have quite a long list of books now, which is great. Um, before we let you go, actually, anything else that you, you want to add that we might not have hit on today? No, it was really lovely chatting to you guys. It was like friends catching up. And... <laughs> I know, right? And yeah, the time goes so quickly. And I say this yes. at the end of every episode, we've been told categorically that we're not allowed to go over the hour mark. So we don't. <laughs> We make sure we keep it under. But thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Emily, as always. <laughs> thank um, you. Especially thank, thank you, you Gurbani, for coming on and sharing your insight and very useful knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. And we'll see you all next time. <laughs>